With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Blog Talk Radio. Kind of guy. He fits in well for a St. Louis, uh, Missouri-based team. And uh, 
Not a lot to be shown so far in the 2013 season from the St. Louis Rams. We'll be followed possibly by our own Tevin Broner. True to form, Tevin is a tentative schedule right now. We'll have to see uh, if he's done listening to Drake New Album in time for his segment. And then we'll be followed hopefully by Dan Kadar from Locking the Draft, a, a, a old boss of mine. Uh, as it were, over at Mock of the Draft. Guys are still doing great stuff over there. The URL has changed a bit. If you guys haven't checked in since April, or obviously we had moved before then, but if you're not sure where to find it, it's espionation.com slash NFL hyphen mock hyphen draft. That's Dan Kadar and Matthew Fairburn. They're going to cover everything in and out that you could possibly need for the NFL draft, save for the millions of us who are North Texas Mean Green fans. Uh, got our hopes up just enough this weekend against Georgia to remind us how soul-crushing life can be. I think we got a theme tonight. It's about life, and that's good. Um, you can get with us all night a couple different ways. It would be great if you call us up. It's 347-857-1022. That's 347-857-1022, and I'm going to make room to get callers on tonight. So if you call in, you're getting on the show. Let's put it down. We're going to make a mandate. You can also get in on the open thread, Tertiary Times. Just go ahead to the front page. It's at the top. Sam Bradford is looking woeful, derpy, as it was termed in one of the comments. You can get in there. I'll be uh, uh, answering any questions we got from there, as well as responding to uh, M4 toting bald eagles in front of an American flag and the Statue of Liberty uh, announcing herself with certain uh, – uh, some poppycock. How about that for our British fans? Um, so we got questions on the thread. We've got uh, Twitter. You can go ahead and hit me up at 3K underscore or at Turf Show Times or using the hashtag Turf Show Radio. You can also get in on the show thread. There's about 300 different ways you can get to me. All to do what to complain about the 2013 Rams. Things are ugly right now. Things are really, really really ugly, and it's difficult to take a lot of positives away coming off what we saw on Sunday, nothing more than a shit show. Um, It's difficult to put a game like that in perspective when everything goes wrong. Look, we had one of those last year uh, across the pond in London against the New England Patriots when everything just fell apart. I think part of the difference then was, you know, the Rams still were – were built a lot largely on hope. We were coming off a 2011 season that didn't offer as much. Things were going somewhat well early on in the first season under Jeff Fisher, but I still think those expectations were a bit muted. That certainly wasn't the case this offseason, having added pieces like Alec Ogletree, Jake Long, Jared Cook, and obviously Tavon Austin on the offensive side. Rams fans had a little bit to go on this offseason and build up. It come from behind week one win, had things uh, firmly set in position to to do some good early on in the season. A week two setback at Atlanta Falcons, nevertheless, had some silver linings in it, in that Atlanta's not a bad team. We were on the road, and we nearly picked that game off. And then on Sunday, everything came crashing down in Jerry World. Look, there's not a, uh, there's not a ton that's worth, I don't know, emotionally rehashing. It wasn't pretty. We failed pretty much on every single level, offense, defense, special teams, and even when you dissect that, uh, you know, there's, there wasn't a lot to build on. I think, if anything, there's a couple ways to put this. Number one, you got to put it behind you. You have to have that classic case of positive amnesia. You forget that that game even happened. Uh, if you're Jeff Fisher, you get the team ready to go into uh, this week. And on a short week, on Thursday night, you've got the San Francisco 49ers. And it's not just an interdivisional game. It's your only Thursday night game. It's one of your only two prime time games. They're one and two. They're dealing with a short week as well. 
It's in St. Louis. There's a lot. There's a lot that you can deal with to try to refocus things. You just have to put it in the rearview mirror. Number two, you you got to work on some penalties. You got you, a team like this just isn't capable of overcoming penalties yet, and it's unfortunate because they've got more talent. It's weird. It, 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 for all their failings, this is a team that's got more individual talent. But I go back to that gift that, or gif, uh, depending on your proclivity, that I requested from Van Midgame and true to form, he provided it was Jared Cook kind of looking over at the sidelines and just throwing up his hands like, what is going on? What are we supposed to do? Wh- who am I? What is this sport we're playing? Is the United States of America still a thing? Um, you know, it, it was all kind of it, it encapsulated in that one gif, and nothing was going right. Um, but what are you going to do? You move on. Hopefully you get it together. And, you know, th- there's games to be had through the rest of this middle table of the season. You you got San Francisco and Jacksonville coming at the, to St. Louis. You should win one of those. Hopefully you get them both. You go on the road to Houston, Carolina. Obviously the Dallas game doesn't fill you with a lot of optimism, but who knows, maybe they turn things around and they're able to get in shape. And, and not physically in shape, the injury list is pretty thin right now, so we're good on that front. But, you know, in terms of the quality of play, maybe they're able to start getting some things going. They figure out uh, to a to a much stronger degree how they want to use Tavon Austin and get him in some open space where he can turn and face defenders and then try to accelerate and make some jukes instead of trying to elude people as soon as he gets the ball. Yeah, you've got four games between San Francisco, Jacksonville, Houston, Carolina before that second primetime game Monday with Seattle coming to St. Louis. So there's a lot in front of you that you can do to try to turn around this season in relatively quick order. And, look, it's only one and two. We're only three games in. The sky hasn't completely fallen. We're not the Washington Redskins. Thanks for that first-round pick, by the way. Um, Things are going to be all right uh, for the most part. It's just a matter of getting things righted, and I think a lot of that starts with penalties. Once they get some of that shored up, because here's the thing, if you're going to take penalties and still allow the kind of pass rush that the Cowboys were going to get off, you're not going to be able to do anything offensively. And you got the penalties on punt returns. you got those penalties all across the offense when people are picking up first downs and bringing them back on penalties. It's just not going to work with a team as young and as inexperienced as this collectively. So we're going to have to see what goes on there. I'm not sure that there's enough time maybe this week to put yourself in position to, to beat San Francisco, but crazier things have happened. And look, last season, two games against San Fran, we went undefeated. So better better things are in front of us, guys. Cheer up. As Paulo DiCagno, the recently sacked manager of Sunderland, uh, so intimated to his team, put it on your chin. Chin's up. We'll be all right, guys. Uh, go ahead and call us up. It's 347-857-1022 to get in on Turf Show Radio. Again, we're going to have Fooch from Niners Nation, Mike Tevin from Turf Show Times, and Dan Kadar later on on the show. Um, if I'm looking ahead to this week in the NFL, I guess there's a couple things that stand out. Number one is the storyline of the Denver Broncos, largely because they had Monday night to cap off week three. And that offense just looks silly. Peyton Manning, football robot 3000, continues to roll. That offense looks nearly unstoppable. You've got a couple of interesting games and some teams that maybe stand out that you didn't expect them to going into week four that I don't know many people were looking at as big games, excuse me, prior to the season, but I think things being where they are now, it's going to be games that people are looking at. Perhaps the 49ers Rams on Thursday night. Thursday has a stigma of not being the greatest football. We'll have to see. Um, a couple games that are really interesting. You got an NFC North matchup in Bears Lions, uh, collectively five and one. The Lions with the sole loss between those two teams. That's going to be an interesting uh, NFC playoff situation developing in the NFC North, and those two teams certainly could be in the thick of it. 
a intra-conference, or excuse me, interconference uh, game, same time, 1 o'clock. This game is going to be broadcast on Fox. That's New York Giants and Kansas City Chiefs. One team 3-0, one team 0-3. And, and if you had asked many people before the season which was which, they would have gotten it wrong. It's the Chiefs sitting at 3-0 and and the New York Giants 0-3. That's a pivotal game for the Giants. And look, if the Chiefs get out of that one, they're 4-0. and Yeah, Arizona went 4-0 to start last season, but it's difficult to go 4-0 and and they kind of take the way they did throughout the year. We'll have to see. Steelers and Vikings, both 0-3. That's a CBS game. You got a, let's see, you got that Colts-Jaguars game. That's going to be real interesting because the Colts are starting to streak. They've got a decent schedule under their belt now, two and one, some big wins. The Jaguars being who they are, they're looking at an early round pick, probably probably the first overall pick if you're guessing, putting money on it right now. We'll probably talk to Dan about that at the end of the show. You also got the Seahawks facing the Texans, and that's it, Houston. So that's definitely a game that uh, Seattle might struggle in, and who knows, that could definitely favor the uh, St. Louis Rams, depending on what happens down with the Texans, and you know they got an offense that's able to put up points between Matt Schaub, Arian Foster, and Andre Johnson. They're always going to be a threat to any team. Maybe they can take off a win from Seattle make things look a little bit nicer for us in the NFC West. Eagles, Broncos, Chip Kelly's new offense. They got stymied a bit this last week going against an offense that is unstymiable uh, in Denver. That'll have a lot of eyeballs on it. The Redskins Raiders, man, that's a that's a mess of a show. But Rams are Rams fans are likely going to be watching the Redskins all year, looking ahead to that extra first round draft pick that we've got sitting under our belts. And then the Cowboys Chargers, your other 4:25 game, going to be interesting. That's in San Diego. The Cowboys coming off a win. I forget who they played or what happened because I have that positive amnesia. 8:30, the late game, Sunday Night Football on NBC. Patriots Falcons, definitely watchable. Uh, everybody and your mother is going to be there, so you might as well be there too. And then Monday Night Football is the Dolphins and the Saints, two undefeated teams, surprisingly enough. The Saints coming off a 2012 season that had a Spagnuolo coach defense that played, I guess, like a modern Spagnuolo coach defense. And now Miami Dolphins trying to put a season together. Ryan Tannehill looking pretty impressive in this season as he matures as a young man. So we'll see what that leaves us going into week five as it is. We're here on Turf Show Radio, about to get this going with some of our guests. When Fooch gets on, again, the call-in number 347-857-1022. We'll also be talking college football at the end of the show. Uh, but Dan Kadar, great college football schedule. If you were able to survive last weekend, you can survive this weekend, because last Saturday was pretty putrid on the schedule. But looking ahead to week five of the college slate. you got some great games, great scouting. Even the Thursday night game, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, definitely watchable. A lot of prospects in that one that could be headed the Rams' way. It starts off pretty slowly on Saturday. Nothing early is that incredible. Maybe Miami, South Florida is worth your time. West Virginia is kind of a train wreck right now, having lost Geno Smith, Tavon Austin, Stedman, Bailey. They're just in a boil to hurt. And they'll face number 11, Oklahoma State. But you look ahead, once you get into the afternoon, it's just great games all over the place. LSU, Georgia, and Oklahoma and Notre Dame are both at 330. Great games. You got Ole Miss at Alabama. Of course, Alabama stacked with talent. Ole Miss has maybe the best freshman class in the country. The talent all over that team. Texas A&M is going to Arkansas. Great SEC matchup now that A&M is in the SEC. Um, and then late, you got Wisconsin, Ohio State, as well as Cal at Oregon. So you got some late games to get you all the way up to the midnight hour, burning that midnight oil. So it's going to be great on all fronts, NFL and college, uh, this week for football fans. Uh, if we got a bridge, kind of get us 
into the first segment with Fooch. Uh, should be on shortly. It's going to be the power rankings. I've got the power rankings from SB Nation up. I'll have the summary up either tonight or tomorrow, God willing. Um, the Rams came in at 22, and uh, Van talked about it on the site. The reality is that might be a little bit high given what just happened. I'm a big fan of responding to performances and power rankings. Uh, and kind of letting the other stuff fall away. Look, all you've got at the end of every week is the result, is the performance. And the Rams put forth as poor of a performance as you possibly can in in an NFL football game. Like I said, you've just got to put it behind you, hope that you're able to get everything working and uh, in short order because the Niners don't really play around. Stacked roster all over the place. We'll have to see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Um, to see how they want to deal with a couple different facets of the game. Uh, Colin Kaepernick hasn't looked spectacular, but we'll get more on that from Fooch about how San Francisco is uh, responding to his semi-sophomore effort, technically his third year in the league, but really for all uh, intents and purposes, his second performance year. Uh, San Francisco got torched themselves by Indianapolis last weekend, 27-7, to in a game I didn't get to watch yet, so I'm going to be interested to see what Fooch took away from that. Because uh, you go back to their last two games, the San Francisco 49ers have only scored 10 points. So things aren't going right for them either. It's kind of a pessimistic show, and maybe that's the best way to bring in food so we can commiserate together here on Tertio Radio. It's your man, David Cicillo, on with Joe. Fooch, what's going on, brother? Hey, what's happening? Uh, just looking forward to what could be a very ugly football game on Thursday. Talk, we, know, we know our side of the ugly, and, God, it was ugly. Talk to us about your ugly. What's gone on the last two weeks with your 49ers? Well, the, uh, I, it's, it's weird. There's so many things that have been not right about this team the last couple weeks, uh, primarily on offense. I mean, the defense has had its issues, and we can go into that, but I think the bigger concern for the 49ers heading into this game is the offense. Uh, as you said, Colin Kaepernick has not looked quite right. Um, it seemed – there. It, Honestly, we've been looking at the, you know, we've been looking at some of the all twenty two just to see what's going on. And part of the problem, I think, personally, I think the biggest problem is Michael Crabtree missing. Uh, Vernon Davis was banged up last week; that hurt as well. But losing Crabtree has really is really showing the last couple of weeks. Well, what do you think about Kaepernick? What does he have to do to get his season back on track? What should the Rams, <clears throat> excuse me, be looking for? Obviously, you guys with a Roman-led offense, you guys have the the play-calling ability. I think that's relatively evident. It may be at a stumbling block right now, but there's experience, you know, to grow on that you guys have shown, obviously, the last two seasons, get to the NFC Championship and last year's Super Bowl, that it's not as if you guys are trying to get into uncharted waters. What does Kaepernick and this offense have to really do to get back on track, even without Crabtree? Well, I think, really, I mean, it's really kind of basic, but it comes down to the run game. Uh, The 49ers in the first half, uh, against the Colts, ran I believe it was 16 times for 102 yards. Frank Gore was averaging close to nine yards a carry, and in the second half he ran three times on the first drive, and then he did not run again the rest of the game. And this wasn't, you know, they were down 10-7 at that point. They went down 13-7, and then 20-7 later in the fourth quarter. But they completely abandoned the run, and we're still trying to figure that out. Uh, we don't actually, I think fans don't really know what the deal was. It wasn't like they were running just not having success. They just stopped running. And the Colts were built to be – I mean, it was this was a game that was built for Frank Gore because the Colts were missing their strong safety, one of their inside linebackers. They were banged up elsewhere, and the 49ers just should have been running it down their throats the entire time. Does it have anything to do with the offensive line? I mean, you guys, uh, I haven't seen any injuries. It looks like you're healthy across the board, right? 
On the offensive line, they're healthy. Uh, the defense is really banged up, but the offensive line, uh, as, as far as we can tell, has been healthy. And again, I I wish I could give you a reason why they stopped running on su- on Sunday against the Colts, but I can't. And that's where it's going to be interesting because obviously Demarco Murray had his way with you guys last week. So, I mean, ideally, you as a 49ers fan, I would want to see a lot of Frank Gore, a lot of Kendall Hunter. Uh, they could have Michael James back this game as well, which I think could be a, a big addition for this offense. But after last week, I honestly don't know what to expect in the run game. Yeah, I wouldn't say DeMarco Murray had his way with us. I think first he had his way with us. Then he had his way with our families. Then he went back to the graves of our great, great, great grandfathers, dug them up and had his way with them too. It was pretty comprehensive. Um, Going over to that defense, you know, talk to us about Alden Smith. He is a crucial part of this defense, as is Justin Smith. I think it's relatively evident that one, when one's out, the other hasn't looked all that great. Uh, what are your concerns with Alden out for Sunday? Excuse me, Thursday. Well, it, it, it obviously hurts the pass rush. I mean, that's, that's pretty evident when you lose a guy that has the record for most sacks through his first two years as a pro. So, sure. basically, the plan right now is uh, Dan Scuda uh, was moved into the starting lineup. He was signed as a free agent away from the Bengals this past off season. Uh, it's interesting because he played uh, some strong and weak side linebacker in their three in their four three last year. The year before he played mostly middle linebacker. Uh, he played fullback a couple years before that. I, he's all over the place. Uh, but I think what will end up happening is you've got him, but you've also got Corey Lemonier. The 49ers drafted him in the third round this year. Uh, he looked really good in the preseason in the pass rush. And I think what we'll end up seeing is a bit of a rotation between those two. And I think Lemonier is the guy that if the 49ers are going to are gonna develop that pass rush this week, I mean, they're going to need to get from Ahmad Brooks and the rest of the, you know, the defensive line. But I think Lemonier is the guy that's really going to have to make some things happen. And I think it's interesting, you know, the safety position that you guys offer. Dante Whitner coming over from Buffalo, Eric Reed, uh, not an inexpensive draft choice. And then you guys have a certain Ram on your team. I'm interested to hear how he's looked and how much he's even played this year. What, what, do, what do you think about the 49ers safety unit right now? Oh, Craig Dahl, a, a Ram fan Oh, favorite. yeah, I forgot his name. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you kind of tried to push that away. Yeah, no, it was, I remember when the 49ers signed him, how excited Rams fans were. <laughs> For good but reason. No, I, um, how, how, how was, uh, not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he, he, I mean, he, he's mostly been on special teams. Uh, when Eric, so he, when Eric reads, it was basically the way, the way it kind of transitioned is he was getting the starting nod at the beginning of training camp, but they were slowly working Reed in. And I think most of us knew that Reed was going to take over the job eventually. And so Eric Reed took over with the starter week one, looked fantastic against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Week two, still looking solid. He suffered uh, what was believed to be a concussion uh, in the uh, second quarter against the Seahawks. Craig Doyle came on, and it was just, I mean, you you could just tell the difference. He didn't have the same, you know, the, the speed and athleticism is just so different. Even if he knew exactly where the ball was going, I don't think he was going to get to it. You're listening to Fooch from Niners Nation on with your boy 3K Joe Maxey right now. Everybody can follow the Fooch. Niners Nation is the official account. Fooch, what's the uh, personal Twitter account? I tweet from David Fuchillo, uh, D-A-V-I-D-F-U-C-I-L-L-O, but that's more – I tweet about some sports law stuff. I tweet about the uh, the Oakland A's from there. I'm a big A's fan. But uh, Niners Nation is my uh, 49ers and general NFL uh, account. Yeah, we don't really know much about baseball. I don't know if you know this. St. Louis is a <laughs> huge, huge football town, huge football town. Yeah, um, they don't know nothing about Ran- no baseball. 
Yeah, random intermission question for you, my man. How jealous yeah. are you that Rams fans, despite the football nonsense, we get to have somebody like Tony Softley year-round? And I know you know your Tony Softley very well. What What is it like to see somebody like Softley operate from the outside? I, I wish we had a Softley of our own. I mean, we've got our share of uh... – questionable media, but Tony Softly, he just he, he brings the total package. I mean, you've got a guy that, you know, he, he, he's got his, you know, his, his way with the words. He doesn't seem to know exactly what's going on, which I think makes it all the better. I think, you know, people are critical of media that don't know what they're talking about. I think we need to embrace them. I totally get you know you know I love my Tony Softly man. There's a there's a security guard at the uh building I work at who I swear looks like he could be Tony Softly's older brother. And every day when I pass him, I just start laughing. I, I think he, I think he's getting angry at me at this point that he thinks I'm laughing at him every day when I go in. But really, he's just reminding me of something. Fast forwarding well, it, it, to the Thursday. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say it was it, it was interesting watching today. Um, speaking of softly, because uh, all the Rams media were were disappointed. At, it, I think disappointed is the right word with uh, Colin Kaepernick's conference call. They were just like, oh, we didn't I say heard much. He was cold. But, you know, I heard he was so cold. Coach. And it was funny because that because that's I mean it was basically like well, welcome to our world because every week we hear from opposing media about how he just doesn't say anything and I think he's trying to set a record for fewest words said in a press in a conference call he said I believe they counted it out at eighty six words today. <laughs> well, good for him, man. I'm glad there's some consistency. We got a couple questions uh, in the thread. I guess we should get to. We've got um, some Rams-specific questions, but we got one here about starting two over Finnegan. Talk to us about that wide receiver core. I know you mentioned Crabtree, but what do the Rams really need to be facing on? And not just the wide receivers, obviously, in Vernon Davis, you got a proven threat there. In terms of the passing game, what, what should the Rams be focused on? Is it just Anquan Bolden and a bunch of names? And then what, what is something that maybe you think could be a breakout candidate, somebody that hasn't featured heavily for the 49ers so far, but – may have a week four explosion in his so. Well, uh, Anquan Bolden obviously had the huge game against the Packers, and since huge. then the Seahawks and the Colts have, have really pressed up tough against them. They've been, they've you know, really brought a lot of press coverage against the 49ers, and basically they're daring Colin Kaepernick to beat them. And thus far, none of the, I mean, none of the receivers have really been able to, to break out of that coverage. Bolden can get, I mean, he can get open a bit, but even still, you just you know you you add an extra guy over the top on top of him and and Kaepernick doesn't have a place to go and so he ends up dumping it off half the time to the to the to the fullback and so at this point if I had I mean if I had to pick one right now Quentin Patton is the guy that every 49ers fan is just hoping and praying does something uh, the 49ers drafted him in the in the fourth round of the draft this year he missed the first couple of weeks of the preseason but then in the final two weeks he had a pair of touchdowns uh, one from Colin Kaepernick went from Colt McCoy, I believe. Um, but he looked really – I mean, he looked really sharp. Uh, it was limited play. But since then, I think last week his six snaps was a season high for him. And so uh, – six offensive snaps. And so, Fortnite's just – I mean, fans just want to see him get out there and, and try and do something because the, the wide receivers are just doing nothing. And they don't – the earliest they'll get uh, Mario Manningham back is uh, week seven. And Michael Crabtree, you're looking at November, December at the earliest. And that's assuming he's in, you know, he's in good shape. So – it's just a mess. It really is a mess with these wide receivers. <laughs> and it, it, Vernon Davis is limited with a uh, with a hamstring strain, so he's been limited in practice. He missed last week. If they don't have Vernon Davis, it gets it gets dicey. Yikes! Um, 
With Fisher uh, as the coach of the the Rams, do you expect him to go after Dalty? We talked about it. He may not even be playing, but if Craig Dalt's in there, do you think the Rams have to target him? What do the Rams have to do, do you think, to get some early success with, against the 49ers? Well, I mean, yeah, if Craig Dalt's out there, I think I, I, I think Mark Sanchez could have success against him. Boots, but, we just want to see Craig Dahl on the field, not in a Rams uniform in St. Louis. That's really all. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what happens, that's that's a that's a win for the for Rams fans. But no, I mean, I, if if he's out there, it just means that Eric Reed got hurt, and that would just be not good. So no, more than likely, I mean, you just you won't see him on 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 defense. You'll see him on special teams. But really, for the for for the Rams, they I think your best bet is really going after the cornerbacks. Uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, Namdi Asamoah has really struggled lately. But he's, he hurt his knee against the against the Colts, so more than likely Tremaine Brock is going to be taking over his spot in the, as the uh, as a nickelback. Uh, they move Carlos Rogers in on the slot, and then they put Tremaine Brock out on the outside. I think you'll see them go after Tremaine Brock just because he hasn't been playing much cornerback since the preseason. But then where it gets interesting is uh, if you guys roll out Tavon Austin in the slot against Carlos Rogers, I I don't know what to uh, I, my, my fingers are crossed because I know Tavon Austin's a speedster and Carlos Rogers can get burned. And if you kind of take the opposite of that, what do the 49ers have to do to sweep the Rams under the rug on Thursday? I, like I said earlier, it comes back to the run. They need, I think they need to dominate this game on the ground. I mean, obviously, 49ers fans would love to see Colin Kaepernick go out there and throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. But to take care of business, they just need to, they need to establish the run, and then they need to stick with the run. I think this is a game where you, you don't get cute. You just go in there, you run, you run, you run. They're, you know, you're going to get stopped sometimes, but I think that they can have enough success that you just, you just got to keep doing it, no matter what. I think they need, to, they need to win this game. I'm not looking for a blowout. I mean, a blowout would be nice, obviously, but just go in there, run the ball, win the game. Well, well, we'll have to see what happens on Thursday. It's going to be an interesting game, even if we don't see Craig Dahl on defense. Uh, the Rams never saw Craig Dahl playing defense while he was a St. Louis Rams, so I think we'll be ready for that. It's going to be fun times. Fooch, thanks for coming on, everybody. Fooch from Niners Nation, go ahead and give them some congenial, some friendly love this week. They're good people. God bless them. Just hope they lose the rest of the way. Fooch, thanks for coming on with us, my man. I'll talk to you later. All right, talk to you later. Thanks. That's Fooch, everybody. Fooch is a good guy. I actually got to link up with him. He's in the D.C. area, so I'm going to make sure that I tag him the rest of the, the way because we got another game coming up in a couple of weeks. This one in front of us on Thursday is much bigger, but I want to get to a caller from the 918. I believe that's northeastern Oklahoma, so we may have a Sam Bradford fan on our hands. Interesting to see. From the 918, what's going on? You're on Kershaw Radio. Hello? Yeah, hello. You're on the air. What's going on, man? Yeah, um... This. Okay, here's the thing with me regarding the Rams. Okay. Um let's go. I here's the thing. The offense is not surprising, I gotta be honest with you on that. The sure. defense is what really surprises me because in theory, uh defenses are supposed to improve, not regress. And that's what I expected coming off of last year. And all of a sudden, we got a new coordinator, and they took 500 steps back. Sure. And I'm wondering what is going on, and I think it's Walton. He needs to get out. Okay. Another thing regarding the team as a whole, and coaching in particular, Fisher, for whatever reason, and this is on Fisher, not Brian Schottenheimer or even 
whatever, because Fisher is the head coach. He's the leader of the coaching team. Sure. He makes the final game plan decisions. And from game one to now, I have seen squat on adjustments. He he is he is reluctant. He, he reluctant. Not, well, let me let me rephrase that. He's uh, he refuses to run the no huddle. Sure. And Brad and, and Bradford is a quarterback who thrives in the no huddle. In fact, in I mean, I've watched him from the time he stepped up as red redshirt freshman to now. Okay. And the whole reason OU created the no huddle uh, was for Bradford, okay, literally, because Bradford yeah. can play it. He's that intelligent. He can make one, and, and for whatever reason, Fisher's refusing to play to his strengths. What the no huddle means is it doesn't necessarily mean go fast all the time. And OU didn't do that. They It was a methodical pace until the first down. When the first down happened, that's when they went fast and then knocked the defenses off off balance. Well, hey, let me ask you a question. Current, let me ask you a question. Sure. First off, what's your name, man? Um, well, um, my user is Freewheeler20, uh, Freewheeler2. Well, Wheeler, come but, on. you got to announce yourself, man. If you're a tertiary timer, people want to know this is – we got our own wheel. There's Bobby Big Wheel for SB Nation, but we got our own wheel. It's good to have you on the show. Let me ask you this, man. Why do you okay. think, and I, I think this is a real question that Rams fans okay. need to be asking, why Why is Jeff Fisher so, uh, what's the right word, not just against, and I, I don't know that it's being stubborn. I think it's just that he, he, he doesn't want to install the no huddle, and he's got his reason. What do you think those reasons are? I don't think he's necessarily going to disclose those because he doesn't want, you know, opposing defenses to be unprepared for, you know, what he's trying to do or, I guess, prepared for what he's trying to do and think, well, maybe they will go on the huddle. What it is, why do you think it is that he refuses to go to it early despite the fact, like you said, Sam's shown some success? I think – Realistically, and I hate yeah. saying this because I, I respect Fisher and I drank the Kool-Aid when he became coach. I'm putting down the Kool-Aid and from now on and looking at the 49ers game and the games from then on with a critical eye. Uh, but to answer your question, I suspect, and that's what it is, a suspicion, it, based on his past, he's a run running coach. He runs. Has been he uses sure. the past as a he's using the pass option as a last resort, and really the no huddle is designed really for the pass. Um, running is in there, okay, and that, and it opens the, the no huddle does open up the running. That's what opens up the running because the defense is back on its heels, and holes open up, and it opens up the running and allows the wide receivers to get open because defenses are confused. They don't have time to adjust or put in extra men, okay? And right. it doesn't mean go fast. But Fisher, for whatever reason, is sticking to his guns. And it's not because he wants to surprise teams going in, into the future. I suspect it's because he's an old-fashioned coach who hasn't caught up to the current trend. But this is a passing league. This is a passing league. Whether it's short passing or long long passing, it's a passing week first, running second. Okay. Yeah, and I and think that's what you're doing. right. And I, 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. Put it in context because then I want to bring on Mike. Go ahead. Well, that's what that's what if you notice from the Arizona game to now, that's really all they've been trying with no adjustments, which makes no logical sense to me. Even a high school coach knows better than that. But anyway, uh, he has been doing running, 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 running at the cost of the team because the weapons we have are for running. If he wasn't going to run the ball. Why did he get Tavon Austin? Why did he get, you know, Sam Bradford? Why did he keep Sam Bradford? Okay. Um, that's what he's been trying to do. Defenses have been stacking stacking the, you know, the box. And why did he trade? Why did he allow Jackson to leave if that's all he's going to do? Good question, man. Hey, Wheel, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, definitely need to have you call in another show. I appreciate you calling in, brother. All right, have a good one. Hey, thanks, Will. Good stuff from Will, man. And he, it's one of those difficult things to figure out. Maybe Michael will be able to answer. We got Mike coming on in just a second. I'm not sure what what Fisher's uh, you know reservations are about the no huddle, especially you know when you get deeper into a half, even the first half, and things just aren't clicking. Maybe you try it just for a series, and we saw that you know in previous seasons. And I'm not sure what the reluctance is on that part. You know, to speak to the pass versus run ratio, it's interesting. The Rams have actually passed the ball, at least from Sam Bradford to throw out the Johnny Hecker failed on a big punt. They've passed the ball 141 times, and between running backs, Daryl Richardson, Isaiah Pete, Benny Cunningham, Tavon Austin, and Zach Stacey's lone carry, they've actually only run the ball 48 times. So they've almost passed the ball three times as many times as they've run it. So, yeah, there may be some identity issues in terms of personnel. I'm not sure what's going on. I do know this. The offensive line looked horrible last weekend. they, they got to get that figured out in short order, and I'm sure we're, we're going to have some discussion of offensive lines and output all across the NFL on a fantasy standpoint because everybody knows fantasy football is all about offensive lines. That's why i got to bring in my band, Mike Dietrich. <laughs> Mike, what's going on, brother? Joe, you hanging in there, bud? It, well, today's much better than yesterday, which was much better than the, the previous day. Mike, that was uh, that was as complete of a loss as you'll ever see by any NFL team. Was, were there any silver linings at all that you took from Sunday? Wow, a silver lining. Uh, Bronze lining. Uh, you know what, Johnny lining. Johnny Hecker's doing a heck of a job. He's punting well. He is. He's punting well. Uh, zero lines kicking the ball. Out of the end zone, just about. Uh, when those are your first two positives, is how well the punter's <laughs> doing and how well your kicker's not even on field goals. How well he's doing on kickoffs. The, the barrel is empty, man. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting here with my dad. My, you know, my dad's seventy. I'm seventy, whatever years old, and we're going out there and whatever it is, ten days, and we're just like, oh crap, and you know, it, it just it was an avalanche, right? And you know me, I'm pretty pessimistic. You know me well by now. But I thought sure. they were gonna I thought I thought they were gonna win. I watched Dallas first two games. Dallas defense looked awful. Everybody was sure. bouncing bouncing them around and I'm like, all right. You know, and, and here's another spin on the Bradford thing, by the way, because you know I am the other side. Um sure. everybody talks about Sam, how great he is in the no huddle. Now, a lot of those situations, Joe, are when the last three years and two game, three games when they've been losing by quite a bit. Absolutely. You are an experienced man. 
people play much better different defense when they're up by 7, 10, 14, 21 points. It's a little easier to complete passes. So I think the everyone wanting to run the no huddle Rodgers, Brady, whatever, you know, offense, I think it's skewed because they see the success he has because, you know, they've been they've lost a lot under Bradford. You know? Yeah, and I talked about that a lot last year. I, I thought a lot of those, I mean, I don't like the idea of garbage points or garbage yards, but they came in situations that where, understandably, the defense wasn't playing all that aggressively that they, to the degree that they had been earlier in games, and I agree with you. You know, Sam has shown an ability to get to get things done then, but the question becomes, why aren't they able to get things done earlier? And that was actually something, right. for the most part, the Rams were pretty good at last year were the early scripted offensive play sets. It was after they got through those first two series that they were really struggling to get things going, and I don't know what the problem is. What, what do you think the issue is with the offense in first half so far? Well, I think, I, I think Sam revert, has reverted to 2010 a little bit, where – He's throwing to that first read eight out of ten times. Now, I don't know if he doesn't want to get hit. I don't know. You know, the offensive line was awful Sunday. And even when they were sackless in the first two games, they weren't great. Maybe he just is tired of getting hit. Maybe he has a little bulgeritis where Mark just got tired of getting sitting back there and getting hit. Um, but he is throwing to that first read so much, Joe. It's like, you know, I, as a quarterback, he's hitting that back foot, and it's getting out. It's not hitting the back foot, and, you know, he's not Manning. He'll never be Manning. But if you look a little bit last night, right, you look at Peyton, he gets back there. His feet are awesome, and he moves around. But, you know, okay, Thomas is covered. Look at Walker. Look at Thomas. He seems to survey the field, and Sam very rarely surveys the field. And that's a little bit bothersome for me. Um but I don't know if he's being coached. We don't know because we're not there. Is he being told right. to do that, or has Sam? Is that him? That you know, he is Alex Smith. Yeah, and I we think we're going to get a we sense of that over these next three weeks. Yeah, sure. I think we'll get a sense of that over these next three weeks. I think these are, you know, enough of, or I guess four weeks if you throw in both the, the road games coming up after the Jacksonville game. I think we'll get a better sense of how they want to make some early to mid-season adjustments in terms of game planning and whether they say, look, if you've got a 50-50 ball, you know, to Chris Givens, you got to start stretching the field because this isn't getting it done. And maybe that's the case, that it was kind of Sam making those reads and decisions and the coaching staff is really President to get a bit riskier, but let's get off the Rams you, if we can, Mike. No, go ahead. Yeah, wait, one wait, one ahead. I, wanted to, I wanted to say one thing. Did you see Sports Illustrated last week on the, the article on the back shoulder throw? I did not. Okay, so there was about 10 pages on the creation of the back shoulder throw. It, it was fine, but there was one part about Breeze, right? And Breeze goes into it and he says, if my guy's running down the field, and he's even with the guy, I'm throwing it because my guy's getting it. Now, you think about Sam and the Rams. How many times does Sam just throw the ball when the guy's even, man-to-man, and says, you know, my guy make a play? Down the field, not three yards away. Sure. It's it's very rare, right? And it's unfortunate because we saw some of that last year. I don't don't know that we've really seen that at all this year, at least in my recollection I'll take it. Yeah. No, not at all. So, I mean, you know, when you're 30th, when you have the most passing attempts in the league and you got 27th yards per attempt, I don't care about the his total yards because it doesn't matter if you throw the ball 50 times. Um, something's wrong. You know, something's 
either it's a game plan, it's Sam, and I don't think they're going to fix it this week. The Niners have been pretty awful the last 10 games um, defensively. That's the, another misnomer that the Niners' defense was as good as the Seahawks um, coming in this year. But uh, their last nine out of 10 games, they've given up 24 points or more. So, you know, I, I don't know, but they'll, you know, but how good is the Ram offense? It, it makes my head hurt. Uh, well, maybe does. this is the opportunity. This is the Excedrin that you've been waiting for, my man, in the, in the form right. of, a, of perhaps, I guess, a, a San Francisco 49ers overrated defense. Let's turn to the rest yeah. of the league and some fantasy stuff, Mike. Who, who are you impressed yeah. with in week three that you're looking at as a buy for week four? Well, you know, you, you watched last night, right? Um, what Manning's doing at 38 years old is just ridiculous. Um, you know, they steal Welker for $6 million. Um, I keep checking my Twitter for all those Amendola's as good as Welker comment, and I can't find it anymore. I don't know why. <laughs> I keep I checking. I kept. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, they steal him for $6 million, And, you know, Decker, everyone says, ah, oh, Manning's got all the weapons. Well, Decker was a fourth-round pick. Thomas was the 24th pick in the first round. There's no top five guys there. Um, you know, even the guys that he played with with the Colts, right, Harrison, you know, sure. he was picked right, right, you know, right after Eddie Kedison. I had to do that. Um, you know, Reggie, Reggie Wayne was end of the first round. Dallas Clark was, you know, he didn't play with, other than Edgerrin James, he didn't play with top five guys. You know, does the quarterback make the receivers or receivers make the quarterback? I think he makes the receivers. I just, um, I think he could have scored 100 points last night if he just threw the ball every time. Um, you know, it's like they uh, he was doing them a favor by running the ball a little bit. So he, he yeah, was crazy. The adjustment they made to came up, come out for that second half was, I guess, unexpected. But, yeah, they definitely took their foot off the pedal. He did, you know. And, actually, I'll, I'll tell you a little uh, something that doesn't come up in fantasy. That there was only four 4 o'clock games, so I actually had the Jets on one of my three TVs. I'll tell you, Gino makes a ridiculous amount of mistakes. But what I like from him, Joe, he keeps throwing the ball. He don't care. He kept throwing the ball 50 yards. Oh, I got an interception. I don't care. I'm going to throw it again. I like that. That was pretty cool. You know, Santonio Holmes looked like he did it with the Steelers. I don't think he's going to do that again. But they might have found a little running back there with Bilal Powell. Had 150 yards. Um, he's near the top of my pickups for this week, if not the top, because of uh, Chris Ivory's out now. They think for at least a month. Um, Mike Goodson's not there. So they don't have anybody behind Powell. So he's you know, Jets, it's not sexy, but he's going to get the carries. And the way the running back position is, um, you got to grab a guy that if you think he's going to get 20 touches in a week. Who do you think maybe is a kind of under-the-radar guy that's not going to get a lot of love from, the, you know, your actual Sunday morning fans, but in terms of a fantasy look, might be a nice pickup off the waiver wire? Well, the funny thing is you talk about, I'll give you two things on that. guy that doesn't get a lot of love, D'Angelo Williams is third in the league in rushing yards. That's not a lot of people know that. Um, you know, he, he's getting the ball now. Now that Chudzinski's gone and he hates running it, um, and, of course, Williams just came out and killed him, uh, he's running the ball and running the ball well. So I think even when Stewart comes back, I don't think he's going to lose that job. Um, I really don't. So I, I, he's, a, he's an under-radar guy. He's not on any waiver wires. But um, another under-the-radar guy for, for, for waiver wire would be Pierre Thomas. Uh, Ingram's out, and even if he's not out, he's on the trade block. They're not happy with him. Pierre Thomas always impressed me, you know, with his eight carries and five catches. 
when you watch the Saints. Um, so I think that's a pretty good guy to go out. I mentioned Santonio Holmes. Uh, here's another uh, under-the-radar guy that fantasy guys have talked about for a while, but that's uh, Ryan Broyles. You're a big college guy, so you watched him a lot. Um, off, Absolutely. Off the, yeah, so off the two ACLs and, and now uh, because of Nate Burleson grabbing a slice of pizza from his lap, I guess. Um, <laughs> It looks like he's going to be starting on Sunday. So if his ACL holds up, you you know you got a chance to grab a lion. You got to grab the lion to run. Um, and another one that I I, I never uh, give kickers or defenses out, but the Chiefs defense. If you need a defense, their next six weeks is ridiculous. Um, they've shown up. At, they've shown up this year. They're playing out of their mind. You know you know what Andy Reid does, Joe? He wins. Right, sure. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're Rams fans. Uh, you know, why does the Rams need a five-year plan to turn around when Andy Reid takes over the Chiefs? They won two games last year, and now they won three. They beat Dallas, you know. You know, and and they and they traded for Alex Smith for second-round pick, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, what is he doing?" Well, Andy Reid knows he wants a guy. Alex Smith is going to throw six, seven-yard passes, you know, but he's not going to turn the ball over, and he's got a little. You know, he ran the read option back in the day. Um, he could run the ball. So, you know, he wins. You know, I don't know why my teams need the long plans and everyone else gets to do one two-year turnaround. So, <laughs> that that said, that's my uh, <laughs> diatribe on that. Um, the, a couple things, you know, uh, guys, if you follow a lot of fantasy guys on Twitter, everybody says, ah, oh, you know what you got to do? You got to trade for the guys that are low now. Stephen Ridley, David Wilson. You know, you got to go get those guys, and or you know, even Stephen, you know, uh, Spiller. Spiller's been awful. The problem that is, if you ha- if if you're trading for those guys, and you're one and two and zero oh and three. By the time they get good, you're going to be one and five and zero oh and six, and your season's over. But what happens is on Twitter and the internet, these guys write this up because they want to look right at the end because they love these guys before the season. So I I don't know unless you got lots of bench room and you're three and zero, David Wilson ain't doing anything anytime soon. Ridley's in a job, you know he's in a total job share. Chris Johnson, they just don't give him the ball inside the ten. So I mean, those guys are not turning your season around. Good stuff. Every you guys know the deal. When we got Mike on Torshow Radio, you know you're going to get. Some of the best fantasy info and for more. He's got a uh, post that's still up on the front page. Definitely check it out. The Who's Hot and Not, your waiver targets. As always, the fantasy guru for Tertia Times. Mike, appreciate you coming on, my man. Anytime, Joe. You be good, and hopefully we have a better Thursday than we did Sunday. I think it's impossible not to. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Bye-bye. Mike D, everybody. You got to love Mike, man. And here's the thing. What I love about Mike is that he's not curmudgeonly. We, there's a lot of stuff we don't agree upon sometimes, but he's, it's impossible to be disagreeable because, you know, the, he, 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 he's not negative about it. He's just waiting to see, right? He's a show-me guy, and I'm cool with that. I can get cool with that because I don't get angry. Sometimes I do get excited. And, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a special caller, a special member of the Tertial Tavern. What's going on, my man? 
Man, what was all that? <laughs> I had to sound the alarm. I thought about doing the Funk Master Flex horn, but I decided to go nuclear alarm. I don't know. Trying, Man, I'm in my we're trying car. to get fancy. We're, <laughs> I'm in we're, my car. I had to look up. around. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Kevin's like, look behind you, look in the rear view mirror. Oh, shit. What the... Yeah, yeah I was like, where are they coming from? <laughs> See, unintended effects, man. So, yeah, I- I'm glad I used that. We're going to bring that in every time from now on. Kevin, what's going on, bro? Uh, I'm doing good, Joe. How about you, man? Well, let's be, let's be real. Sunday was bad. Sunday was real, was it real. Was It was. Yes. I mean, it you was. know, you got to, we got to see one of the best, you know, young running backs in the game have, probably have a good game. <laughs> See, that, that's what I like. No. I like the juxtaposition. We go from Mike, who's kind of this, you know, waiting for the silver linings and waiting to show me. Tell us, like, screw that, man. I, I, I had a good time. I was great. <laughs> hey, I'm great. You know, Isaiah P. finally had a good game. And I just thought, boy, we could just talk, P. I thought we could just talk 15 minutes about Isaiah P. Well, let's get let's get two in. What? Tell me this. What is it about Isaiah P that you're so excited? Why did you start riding the Isaiah P train? Not only so early, but what kept you on that train throughout the off season? Let's put it like that. Uh, yeah, it was a tough off season for me. Ugh. But anyway, <laughs> the, the main the main reason, honestly, because you know he was one of the he was one of the first running backs I scouted, and I was like, man, you know, he, he's something special. He has some speed. He has some power. The only thing was that was wrong with him was his pass blocking and his catching, which he's worked on. You know, he he's probably the best back in catching, probably the best back in pass blocking, at least for the Rams, for the Rams, not you know, not across the NFL. So you know, he kind of he kind of shot me. You know, I thought he'd be a much better runner so far, but that hasn't happened yet. But he still, you know, he you could, you kind of saw flashes of it on Sunday when he could do with the ball. I, it was one play on third. It was one play in the third quarter. I just we watched it and Hatcher grabbed Isaiah P right at the line of scrimmage. Isaiah P just took the ball in. He didn't want to fumble this time, and he just kept going. He got eleven yard gain. And you know, I just think that once he get a feel for the game, you know, he maybe he could take their richness. But you know, it was just one part of the game that bugged me, and it was that when he ran the ball, it kind of looked like he was just. He didn't want to turn the ball over, and he didn't want to mess up his opportunity. And you could kind of see that when he, you could kind of see that when he was playing. He was indecisive with his cuts. That's why he kept slipping and all that good stuff. But I think maybe Thursday when he plays, you know, if not, if Derrick is still hurt, hopefully he's not. And if he's still hurt, maybe Isaiah P could get get closer to Derrick Richardson. Finally so get that experience. <laughs> you saw you saw Yeah, Darren Richardson was actually back in full participation tomorrow today at practice. It's going to be interesting to see how they they handle that core because it's starting to get a little bit expanded. Pete had half of the carries uh, on Sunday. Benny Cunningham picked up another four. Tavon Austin started that that early run and never got another carry out of the backfield. I personally would like to see him get a couple more carries out of the backfield. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they work him in now with Daryl Richardson likely coming back. In fact, the injury roster looks pretty good at this point. Just about everybody was back in practice. Cortland Finnegan with his mystery nose injury that was listed last week, midweek, uh, was a full go. 
Divins, James Lordnitis, Mike McNeil, Chris Williams, TJ McDonald, Daryl Richardson, and Jake Long were all four full participators. Barksdale, Joe Barksdale, right tackle, was actually out for personal reasons, and I'm not sure what those are. They're personal, so I'll leave them at that. I'm not too interested in the find a celebrity and figure out what's going on in his personal life stuff as long as it doesn't affect the team. <laughs> you got Tony That's not my style. Do I? Well, Softly's different. Softly's not on the roster. Man. Yeah, Softly will hang out in the tree with some binoculars if it, it'll go. He's the official professional peeping Tom in a good way, in a non-sexual way for the St. Louis Rams, and I'm glad to have him. Um, but, yeah, we did lose two. Uh, Roger Saffold and William Hayes, both dealing with their knee injuries, didn't practice. What, what do you think about this offensive line team moving forward? Because I know you know offensive lines, too. They were horrible on Sunday, and yeah, with Saffold hurt and Barksdale missing, it doesn't look good against the – despite the fact the 49ers ain't rolling with Alden Smith, it might be difficult on Thursday, man. I, I think they could hold up against the 49ers just because they don't have a pass rush, and those extra 10 days after their game should really help. So, as long as Jake Long, did he get, did they ever say that if he got benched because of his performance or was he hurt? Because he got benched at the end of the game. Jake Long. Sorry. Oh, he got benched because of his performance. <laughs> Believe Ooh. that. Yeah. All right, yeah. so hopefully, you know, because everybody on the offensive line allowed pressure. Everybody. Nobody can hold Marcus Ware. Nobody can hold Hatcher. I don't even know who Hatcher is, but he had a great game. But yeah, it was it was pretty bad. But you know, honestly, everybody keeps talking about the offense. I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Some of my observations I saw from the Cowboys game and how it could hopefully they could change it for the Forty Nineers game. What do you, what do you, you know, looking for them, in terms of changes? What kind of adjustments do you want to see? Uh, the Forty Nineers a great running team, man. Uh, it was one play the, on the Marcus Murray biggest big run of the game. He it was a, it was actually a cutback. He found the lane that James Lloyd and Ogletree over pursued, so they have to fix that. In fact, it was two it was two plays where Murray gained over twenty yards just cutting back, and and the two linebackers over pursuing. And then you know Brockers, it was a lot of hype about him, but ah. Uh, Langford actually had a better season so far. Langford has been killing people. He's been providing a lot of pressure. He's always in the backfield. He's always pushing his guy back. And I thought that would be Broncos this year, but it hasn't been. Chris Long, I don't know if he's still hurt, but he hasn't. It doesn't look like he's get, getting any pressure on the offensive line. Robert Quinn, honestly, I think he was a little overrated because he played, he played against a couple of – not that great offensive left tackles. Not to say that Robert Quinn won't be good, you know. He's he's got a better play in the run. And that kinda of impressed me. Robert Quinn was never a good run defender the last two years, but this year he, he showed strides. So yeah, they just hopefully Brock can show up. Chris Long. He hasn't been doing prep. In fact, the Cowboys game, almost every play I seen Chris Long line up, he just kept Trying to overpower the overpower the offense tackle. I know he's not the fastest guy in the world, but it, it's just kind of concerning. Like something, I think he had an injury with his leg during the offseason, well, during, after preseason. But I don't know. I think it's, that's still lingering for Chris Long. 
Team, we actually got a good question from the thread for you that I got to bring up. It's a really serious question about the Rams. You and your lady possibly moving to Seattle in a few months. What's the deal, man? Give it, give us the TMZ. What, what is the deal with this? Are you, are you, are you, are you an undercover Seahawks fan? Is there something we can know? All right. You want to know the truth? We okay. I, I don't want, want anything else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I have a girlfriend in Seattle. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Folks, it's not catfish. It's not catfish. It's neither going to show up. It's not. I'm not. Y'all not going to see one episode of catfish. She's real. I promise. She's real. Is <laughs> it? Is the Colin Kaepernick of Turf Show Radio? Got a girl? <laughs> she in Seattle? Anything else? <laughs> nah, I appreciate it, man. Good stuff. Hey, going away. Question. New Drake album, new Two Chains album. What's your pick, Kevin? You said a new Drake album and a new what? Two Chains album. Boats. I haven't even, I haven't even listened to Two Chains album. Drake all the way. Kevin, Kevin, you got Drake. your homework. You got marching orders, Drake. my man. You're up on the Rams, but you're behind on your you're behind on your rap. What's hey, ju- up? Ju- juicy. Ju- I'm not. I'm not behind on my rap. I just haven't downloaded the <laughs> I knew you'd take that personal. I knew you'd take that personal. I knew you would. Okay. Like they kind of, they kind of hurt. I almost hung up. I say stuff like that. That's disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, just because you, uh, I understand you and Two Chains went to school together. You know, y'all about the same age, so I understand why you have to listen to his music. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Jake, but Jake is pretty nice. There you go. You heard Pretty it? nice. We'll take that. I, I gave it half a spin today. I, I had too much work on my plate to get through it all the way, and I barely uh, even paid attention no. to what I got to. I'll get through it this week, man. You know I will. To everybody, Tevin Broner, there's only one. God, Tevin, you got to get back in, man. We got to get you on one of these weeks. You're too much fun, bro. I'll be back. Have a good one, man. All right. Thanks, dude. Oh, man. That kind of hurt. <laughs> he really did take that first one. I knew he went too. I knew it was going to be hard to segue, something much more serious, but i got to get to him because it is 10 o'clock. I want to bring him on official time because I used to write for him, albeit very sporadically and not nearly frequently enough. My man Dan Kadar from Mock in the Draft. Dan, what's going on? You're on Turso Radio. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's going on, Dan? Everybody, you need to get a follow-in to Dan Kadar, Mock in the Draft, moving forward because this season – College year is fully underway, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, look, last week was not the uh, the fireworks that you may have wanted on the schedule, but, damn, this week was pretty fun, man. Yeah, last week was awful. Probably uh, one of the worst college football weeks I remember. Like, you know, I do this stock report thing every week for SBNation.com, and I was struggling, man, this week. You know, I, I think there's a – there's several better games to to go with for sure. Sure. Um, what do you think in terms of the Thursday and Friday matchups? Are there anything you would think you could pull a casual fan into? Is you know David Sales going on Friday? Maybe Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. Is, is there enough strength in the prospect stock there to, to pull somebody in? Yeah, for sure. Fails for sure. I mean, that game Utah State San Jose State on Friday night. It's two pretty good quarterbacks, Chucky Keaton of Utah State and, and sure. Fails of San Jose State. Fails was good for like a half last week. I think he had 294 yards in the first half, and then the second half he was a little bit off. So that's kind of been the, the tale of his, his career, really. Uh, with Thursday games, you know, 
I'm going to mess up his name, but I really want to watch Georgia Tech's Jeremiah Adichu again. I mean, he, he looks yeah. like a pretty complete player, you know, playing end and linebacker. So for the Thursday and Friday games, yeah, there's definitely something to look forward to at least. Yeah, I'm a fan of Adichu. I actually just started pegging him early last year. I didn't think the Rams were going to be on Ogletree, so I thought Adichu actually made a lot of sense for them, but they went ahead and got a, a guy similar athleticism out of Georgia, and I think it's going to work out all right, but that's going to be interesting. You mentioned David Fales. And just kind of a, a, an interrupting question before we get to the Saturday slate. How, how do you go about dealing with guys, somebody like David Fales, that obviously has plenty of talent and certainly talent above kind of the guys he's facing week in, week out? Even if you go past Utah State, because Utah State is a decent team, fun to watch, but you got Hawaii, Colorado State, Wyoming, sorry, Ryan, uh, UNLV, San Diego State, Nevada, Navy, and Fresno State. Outside of maybe Nevada and Fresno State, and even Nevada has looked pretty poor at times this year, that's not a ton of talent that he's going to have to face in secondary. So how do you go about evaluating a guy knowing he's going into the NFL against uh, secondaries that are much more talented than what he's got this year? Well, more than anything, you just have to watch the kind of throws he's making and not necessarily, you know, the placement he's getting, you know, like where on the field, but how the ball is coming out and, you know, how far he can throw. And that's kind of the, the complaint about fails. And then you can always go back. I mean, they played Stanford in the second week of the year, and he wasn't all that great. And they should play someone pretty decent if they make a ball, you know, maybe. Um, but you just kind of watch and see what they do pre-snap, for instance, because that's kind of, you know, that's kind of an even thing across the board with any college football team, you know, Defenses are going to do things before the snap that a quarterback has to adjust to, you know, whether it's USC or, or Utah State. So, you know, that that's one of the things you watch for with a guy like Fails. And, you know, the, the concern about him is kind of his arm strength and whether or not he's just going to be a system kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I was at, The only game I've caught this year from him, uh, as you mentioned, was that Stanford game and yeah, I think he's got a lot to build on. It's just one of those things that's so hard for me. <clears throat> I got so comfortable, you know, growing up watching SEC and, and honestly going back to the Southwestern Conference, those old SWC matchups, and then you get into the Big 12, and they, you're seeing plenty of talent. So it's always hard for me to look at these mid-major type teams and a lot of these conferences that don't offer tons of talent and try to evaluate them fairly. To be fair to Fales, though, I mean, he's he's got plenty in his game that's interesting to to, to try to think out how it would work at the NFL level. And even last year, you go back to that Stanford game to open the season, the bowl game against Bowling Green. I remember that very well. I think it was the military bowl. Uh, I thought he played pretty well, and that kind of put him on the map for me. So it's going to be interesting to see him moving forward. But looking ahead to Saturday, um, and again, we've got Dan Kadar from Mocking the Draft. Uh, you want to follow him at Mocking the Draft on Twitter. That's svnation.com slash nfl-mock-draft. Uh, to get the best NFL draft content. I'm sure they'll be having everything you need up uh, in short order for this weekend. They don't have, you know, Thursday night, St. Louis Rams, San Francisco. They got Thursday night, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and Iowa State, Tulsa. So they got a little bit easier. But looking ahead to Saturday, Dan, what are you looking at in terms of the early games? Because you got three ranked teams in Oklahoma State, South Carolina, and Miami, who's, you know, behind Steve Morris looking pretty strong. Who are you going to be personally scouting on Saturday at noon? The early games, for sure, I'm watching Blake Bortles of Central Florida against South Carolina because it's kind of like you mentioned with fails and how you evaluate fails against, you know, Western Athletic Conference 
defenses. So I want to watch Fay or Bortles, excuse me, against South Carolina, which always has a really good defense. Obviously, they have Jadavian Clowney. They're a little bit down in the secondary this year. In fact, the whole back seven, really. But, you know, Bortles is a guy that's picking up some steam, so he's going to be who I'm watching. In that game, uh, Oklahoma State has some, some solid defensive line talent, Calvin Barnett in the middle. So I'll be watching, like, Charles Sims, who's basically becoming West Virginia's whole offense. Um, you know, in South South Florida, Miami, uh, I don't know. I mean, Aaron Lynch, South Florida, the Notre Dame transfer, I'll be checking in on, on him. Excuse me. And Miami has a couple of younger linebackers that I'll be watching out for. What do you think about Central Henderson at this point? Um, I think he's an enormous human being who I wouldn't want on my <laughs> football team. Because, okay. You know, he, he's had a thing throughout his whole career, you know, off-field stuff. He hasn't been able to get on the field at times. I mean, Al Golden's pulled him out of games. Um, you know, it's, it's been basically tough love with him his whole career at Miami, and it's not really clicking yet. And and yet it's running out of time. I think that's the key thing is that for so long it was, look, he's got time, he's got time, and obviously that's uh, not the case for much longer for Central Henderson. But I agree. You're a big human being. That's definitely true. Um, you get into that mid-slated games and things get really interesting. Obviously, LSU, Georgia, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, the two games that both have ranked teams. Maybe maybe you've got a sleeper. I'm assuming you're going to be watching one of those two. Am I wrong, Dan? Yeah, I'll for sure be watching LSU, Georgia, or trying to because I have a, my nephew's gosh darn birthday party that's going to take me away from keeping my eyes completely on it. But, you know, LSU, I, I'm basically falling in love with LSU this season. I think they're going to be in the national title game if they beat Texas A&M and Alabama, obviously. But, you know, I really like LSU. Their defense has some, some good, you know, kind of underrated players, actually, whereas before we've always kind of known, you know, Sam Montgomery, Barkevius Mingo, Brockers, a couple of years ago. You know, the, the guys on their defense are really known, but they have some a little bit under-the-radar players so I'm going to be keeping my eye on, like Ego Ferguson, the defensive tackle, uh, Lamine Barrow, sure. the linebacker. And so guys like that in that game, George is kind of down as far as prospects goes. Um, you know, Aaron Murray's okay. I'm not too big of a fan. So, you know, I, I'm watching those LSU defenders, which is par for the course pretty much. And that LSU offense is really looking up. I mean, that's been the key to their season this fall. Zach Mettenberger is looking like a really improved quarterback this year. Yeah, as far as, you know, up and down players goes, I think no one's helped himself more so far this season than Mettenberger. I mean, he's not really gone against really good defenses yet, but you know, we'll see what he does against, you know, there's talent on Georgia. It's just not really, you know, matured talent yet, so – you know, I want to see what he does against Georgia because he's a guy who I'm really starting to come around on. You know, last year he was kind of shaky, but you could see the Absolutely. arm talent was there. And this year, you know, he's, he's he's doing better. I mean, some of his throws are just, you know, you see the trajectory of the ball and the placement he's getting. It's like you're looking at, you know, someone like Peyton Manning. Not not that he's Peyton Manning, so don't don't take that that way. But you know, Dan Kadar, Zach Mettenbager is Peyton Manning. Got it. Right. right. You're just kind of seeing that, <laughs> that same kind of throwing style and the same kind of ball trajectory out of his hand, basically. And it's always interesting when you see somebody like J.C. Copeland. He's a throwback type fullback. If you guys haven't seen J.C. Copeland in this LSU offense, 
Saturday is a great opportunity. Yeah, LSU's SEC, and so you know you come from that side of the division. They're going to have plenty of games worth still to check out, but. Uh, yeah, number nine, Georgia, going to be a great contest. And Jason Copeland, the fullback, I don't know how much of a home there is for him in the NFL. I expect he's got to be picked up as big as he is and, and as well as he yeah. moves for a guy of his size. He's six foot, I think, 275 or something. I mean, he's yeah, here, but <laughs> he's huge. And he's actually kind of athletic. I mean, they'll they'll put him he out is. on some wheel routes every now and again. Yeah. So, you know, I, definitely as a Browns fan, uh, don't laugh, but he, I would like him on the Browns. You know, yeah, I can see it. I like him, and you know LSU. To me, I think LSU has the best wide receiver duo in the country, bar none. You know, they got uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. So both of those guys are juniors who I think are, are really, really good. Yeah, Jarvis Landry's really starting to show up this season. In terms of a duo, gosh, I don't know that I can think of any offhand. Um, yeah, People I don't know. The, maybe the USC if, guys. USC guys, if you count Dante Moncrief and Laquan Fredwell out of Ole Miss, I don't know in terms of a duo that I can think right. of anybody. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty strong, man. Um, so, yeah, LSU Georgia is going to be fun. You get into those later games on Saturday. you got plenty of SEC action, Ole Miss, Alabama. That's number 21 against number one. Texas A&M, number 10, goes to Arkansas, who's unranked. That's going to be on ESPN2. Arizona at Washington is actually kind of an underrated pack game if you're into that on Fox, and I know a lot of our L.A.-based Rams fans. And by the way, Dan, we're Rams fans. We're in no position to laugh at Browns fans. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not something we can stand on. We don't have that kind of ceremony. Um, and then getting into the late games, 8 o'clock, Cal Wisconsin at Ohio State. Who, who are some people you think may be in the offing for Rams fans if they're looking at maybe offensive line help? If you're looking at offensive line help, uh, I, I'd probably start with that Ohio State-Wisconsin game and not because of Wisconsin, which kind of goes against what we've kind of, you know, thought the past few years. Ohio State, sure. you know, their left tackle, Jack Muhort's an NFL player. Both of their guards are NFL players. Uh, and Corey Lindsley, their center, is an NFL player probably too. So, you know, Ohio State has like a bunch of guys who are going to be good depth pieces in the NFL, you know, not like great players. So that that's why I would watch for you got Texas A&M and Arkansas, and that's a 7 o'clock game on ESPN2. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, Jake Matthews is, is far and away the best left tackle in college football right now. So if someone really wants to get their offensive tackle, you know, rocks off, I guess, that's the game to watch because Matthews is, you know, he, you know, Watching, like, Taylor Lawan of Michigan, he's been down. Cyrus Quandro of Alabama's kind of been iffy this year. Antonio Richardson of Tennessee has not been all that great. But Matthews has been consistent and, and really, really good. You know, he's a top-five pick. Um, Stanford's always good to watch for offensive line. David Yankee, the guard there's a, a really good NFL starter, quality player. Um, yeah, those, those are guys that are sticking out for me. So you're not buying yet on the tackles for uh, Wisconsin, even though they're you know you got a sophomore and Tyler Mars on the left side and Rob Havenstein both. I think uh, I think Mars is six six and Havenstein six eight and they're both over three twenty. So big guys all around. I think they're the two biggest guys on the roster, or, or excuse me, on the offensive line at the two tackles. You're not buying on them yet. Not really. I mean, it's, it's always hard because you watch Wisconsin and Melvin Gordon, who's a redshirt sophomore running back there. He's incredible. He might be the best running back prospect in the country at this point. And you just you just always wonder, you know, 
if it's a system kind of thing with the offensive linemen. I mean, they're all enormous, so they kind of have a strength advantage going into almost every game. But, you know, I, I'm not really sold on, on those guys yet. I mean, they're both giant, like you said, but I'm not sure. really seeing, you know, starter-level players in the NFL. Yeah, I'm interested to see Gordon. I mean, he was uh, he featured last year. He got over uh, 50 carries, and I think he's mm-hmm. close or over that already in his first couple of games. But, you know, a lot of people were talking about James White, you know, getting his chance to really feature again, which he hasn't really gotten up to that 1,000-yard mark since his 2010 campaign, despite getting plenty of playing time. And it looks like he's going to lose out again with Melvin Gordon coming on that Arizona State game. He was explosive. And, uh yeah, I agree with you. He's somebody that's fun to watch and moving forward. I think everybody's going to have their eye on. Um, Dan, I'm taking up too much of your time, man. It's getting late out here. I appreciate you coming on, everybody. It's Mocking the Draft on Twitter, sbnation.com slash mock. Did I get that right? Is it mock? Let me pull it up. Make nah, sure. Because I go to mockingthedraft.com, and it'll it'll forward to it. So It's still redirects, uh, but we're not fans of redirect, Dan. We want to get people the, the direct URL. We got, it's professionalism and blah, 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 or something. In there. Sure. SBNation.com slash NFL hyphen mock hyphen draft. I love the sure. Or, of course, mockingthedraft.com will redirect you, Dan. Thanks for coming on Touch Radio. I appreciate it, man. Great. Anytime. Got to love Dan, man. Guy knows his college football up and down. We do have two late callers, and even though it's late into, let's see, we're past the 75th minute, let's go there. I know executive producer Douglas Morrison is ripping out hair somewhere, hopefully hair on his head. Can't be sure because I don't have video open, but I'm breaking on these callers. From the 406, what's going on? You're on Churchill Radio. How you doing, gentlemen? Hey, what's going on? Who's this? Uh, this is N. Martin, 55, via Twitter. What's going on, Andy Martin? What's up, man? Nah, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's kind of our P1 shows, guys that I know around Churchill Times. It's good. A lot of times for Churchill Radio, we get a lot of the lurkers who are scared to post, and, you know, they read, but they kind of exist on the fringe in the radio. The podcast comes on, and this is their opportunity. I'm glad to get some guys who are writing on the site, man. It's good to have you. What's up? Uh, nada, nada. Hey, just want to talk about defense a little bit. Obviously, offense, everyone's freaking out, which is understandable. Uh, sure. But de- but defense, there's a couple observations. Obviously, we're playing off the ball a little bit. Everyone's crying about it. But we let Jenks come up and play a little bit uh, up on the line, which obviously was beneficial. No one can hit the home run on him unless he bites on the ball. Um, but on the other side, with Corlin playing the slot now, True is getting put out on an island. All right, I'm from Montana, watched True play a ton of ball. That kid is so successful when it's just him one-on-one. If they let him sit on an island, he will shut kids down. Seriously, the kid is so strong. He can jam at the line, and no one can hit a home run on him. I think if that's their decision, that they're going to put him out on the edge, it's going to be beneficial for him. But true senior year, they, they switched to his zone, and true was dismal. He is terrible in his zone, so it's like pulling my eyeballs out watching him sit in it right now. Uh, it's kind of just two cents from from having a lot of uh, a lot of experience watching the kid. No, I appreciate it, man. What, what do you expect to see in terms of adjustment? So yeah, that's the defensive side. But let's say they move up true and they start, you know, they throw one or two his way, and he's got the press locked down. What well, what do you want to see in terms of adjustments? How do you want to see some flexibility from a staff that you know midweek is saying, 
yeah, no flexibility, no, no huddle, we're doing this, we're sticking to our guns. What do you want to see mid-game? I mean, realistically, if, if they're playing corners off to help cover deficiencies at safety, which that has to that has to be the, the mentality there. If if that's their case and they're going to say, hey, we're going to let young kids learn and grow, let them make big mistakes. Don't let them just get picked on the entire time. If they're going to make a mistake, it's going to be a big mistake. Sure, all of us can accept that. But sit and watch all this underneath stuff is garbage, in my opinion. I think it, it, let Janor sit and, and jam their number one, let True come up, and do the exact same thing. I think it'll it'll help Cortland because Cortland won't be chasing kids around. Because then it, it, I don't know. It it all works together. Our, our defensive line because they can get more pressure just because they're not going to get the ball out in the second half. I mean, watching Tony when Tony had time this weekend, it was prime example. Tony's great when he has time. Tony's fantastic. Tony sucks when you put pressure in his face. We didn't do it because we're letting him have all the easy stuff underneath. So. I don't know. I think the adjustment, if it was me and I was going to make that call, I'm going to let my corners play up, let the safeties roam. If they get beat, they get beat. Um, but I think that's a gamble we have to take. I mean, we're not stalwart top five defense right now. so Awesome stuff. Hey, Martin 55 on Twitter, everybody. Enmar, uh, Namur, is there anything else you can do uh, out there, Any, anything coming up in terms of fan polls or anything you got going on that you need to let everybody know coming down? Uh, no, I think uh, I probably won't do anything until the off season with Tevin. I got some got some FCS kids to uh, to watch out for for the draft. It's kind of kind of my honey hole. So, hey, we'll be ready, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, take care. Thanks, Willie. Nick Martin, everybody. It's N Martin 55 on Twitter. Got to get our Rams fans in. Here at Tertial Radio, we got one more from the 520. What's going on? You're on Tertial Radio. Hey, what's going on, Joe? This is Mark Lujan. Uh, hey, what's up, Mark? Man? What's going on, man? Hey, you uh, tell um, me. You, you got the last call. You got the last word on the show. It's all up to you. That We've had this uh, whole talk show. About we talked about the there. 49ers. We talked about the Rams. We talked about the draft. We even had, you know, FBS-type scouting. Mark, what is the final word on the Drake album? First, on the Drake album? I have uh, I have no clue. <laughs> That's over uh, two. We have, we, have, we have little to no information about the Drake album. We've got all this information <laughs> about the Rams and nothing about Drake. What's wrong with you people yeah. today? Now what's going on, man? Yeah, I uh First of all, I just got to say I'm going to jump on board of the Isaiah P. train with Tevin. Uh-oh. Yeah, Uh-oh. I think we're, we might be the only two on that, that bandwagon still. Well, tell me why. Well, just his – I mean, his talents are, are obvious. I mean, he hasn't put it all together. I mean, obviously you see guys like C.J. Spiller come into the league, and, I mean, no way he's C.J. Spiller just yet, but, I mean, the talent is there. Took CJ a couple of years to get it going, even though he's having an off year this year. Last year's was pretty good for him. Uh, I guess just hopeful. You know, he has the talent second round. You don't want to see that pick go to a waste. Um, you know, but it's there. The talent's there. Hopefully they give him the ball. D. Rich is a little bit banged up right now. So hopefully he just makes the most of his opportunities and see what we have in him. 
Yeah, and this might be it, man. This might be his window to really give himself a chance to get back in the good grace of this football team overall. Because you go back to the one get week one suspension, you go back to last season. He's kind of missed all his windows to really uh, implant himself on the future of this franchise. And moving forward with as many draft picks as the Rams are going to have, and you know, look, the Rams are one and two, Washington's zero and three. You're looking at a situation where the Rams could be in a really, really, really good spot of the 2014 NFL draft. You never know, man. The Rams might be going after a, a certain guy, Kadeem Carey, out of Arizona in the 2014 <laughs> you, you just took the the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, you you, I know, you know cool. my boy Carey. You know that's going <laughs> to yeah, be an I mean, interesting, interesting game, Arizona and Washington. Five. Arizona and Washington on Saturday. That's going to be an interesting game for for Carey there. Sure, you got and Washington for people who don't follow the college game, season. look. Yeah, Arizona's offense has been balling out. B.J. Banker has, you know, improved really well in terms of the limited snaps that he got last year. Uh, the offense overall, obviously, when you got a talent like Kadeem Carey, you're going to have a running game. But what's been interesting is Daniel Jenkins. Uh, I mean, coming out of nowhere, he had 60-something carries last year for about 300 yards. He's almost there this season. Yeah, um, he almost went to Washington, as a matter of fact. I'm yeah. glad we got to keep him around for another year because that, that duo in the backfield is going to do wonders for us because even though B.J. Danker has been improving steadily each game, I just don't have the confidence in his arm in case the defense puts eight, nine men in the box and shuts down Kerry and Daniel Jenkins. So, I mean, we're going to be so reliant on that running game. It's nice to have two quality backs. Yeah, and that's not the case for the Rams. So bringing it back to Thursday, what what do you want to see, especially out of the first half? What do the Rams need to do to get going uh, for you to be, you know, confident that not only on Thursday but moving forward the rest of the season that, okay, not everything is lost. This team's got a chance at really putting the season together, and who knows, come the end of the year, maybe we're in position to make a playoff run. What do you need to see on Thursday? They just got to come out and get – a first down right off the bat. They cannot go three and out and start off the game that way. You let you let the 49ers have that kind of uh, confidence on defense. It's not going to go well for you the rest of the game. We're going to have to get some screen passes going, throw a couple balls out in the flat. Obviously, hopefully it doesn't get tipped off the – tipped and picked off Uh, (laughs) we just we have to get something going and I'm a full believer in Sam Bradford I think he's been great this year just needs a little bit of help with the offensive line has to improve from last week which shouldn't be too hard their performance was so terrible last week but just starting off fast just starting off fast on Thursday is going to do wonders for the team and on defense, coming from playing defensive back back in high school, it is killing me playing, seeing these corners play 10 yards off the, off these receivers and just letting them basically do whatever they want underneath. Good stuff. Hey, Mark, thanks for calling in, man. Uh, good luck to your Arizona Wildcats this weekend. Obviously, the Rams, we're going to be on the same page. Wishing them luck. Go get that little man from the East. <laughs> yeah, you can hear him in the background. <laughs> Of course, bro. All right, man. You can never stop the kids from getting on Turtle Radio. 
I think they're, they're at about an 80% clip in terms of contributions, and I think they're going at about 33% offering more to the show than I have in the multiple years that we've been throwing this up. Uh Definitely want to thank everybody for calling into the show. That was Mark Lujan at Mark underscore AZCats20 on uh, Turf Show Radio. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to throw this out in the tweet tomorrow. If you guys are following me at 3K underscore, I'll try to put everybody that was on the show today in a single tweet because we had a lot of fun tonight. We had uh, Fooch from Niners Nation, Mike Dietrich, Tevin, uh, both from Turf Show Times, who you know very well, and Dan Kadar from Mocking the Draft. And then, obviously, we had our callers. We had uh, Free Wheeler. We had Nick Martin and then Mark to kind of wrap up the show. Speaking of wrap up, what do we got in front of us? It's a San Francisco 49ers game that offers plenty in terms of a challenge. As Mike alluded to earlier, the defense doesn't seem as crystalline as it has been. Uh, I think it's a doable situation to get out and put something against that defense early but that's really been the thorn in the Rams' side so far this year is that they've been so uh, slow to get out of their blocks early in the game that they got to rely on, on different kind of tactics to get back into it. It puts you behind the gun when you're trying to catch up instead of trying to imprint your game plan uh, onto the field so that everybody's having to make adjustments to you. Instead, the Rams are constantly being the ones who have to make the adjustments three games into this season. I've asked, I think, everybody what they want to see or what they expect to see. For, for my part, I, what I want to see is some aggression, some physicality. I think we saw that last year in the Washington game, and that kind of set the tone to, to try to say, you know, look, you can't take the Rams for granted anymore. They've got this capability to get out and hit you in the mouth, and, oh, by the way, they've got some talent in places. They've still got that. And, and, and when I look around this team, there's plenty of guys who are capable of putting that shot in the mouth, and, and I think the personality is still there from Jeff Fisher all the way to the bottom of the roster. It's just a matter of getting them going, and that was something we didn't see at all on Sunday. And, and I don't know why it is. I mean, we talked about finger pointing. We talked about coaching staff. We talked about individual performances. We talked about opponents. We talked about mentality. We haven't really talked about the crowd, and I don't know that that's going to be a huge factor because Rams fans don't necessarily have a lot to go on. Who knows? Maybe we get a fill the dome situation, and maybe with some early success, uh, Rams fans really come to life and become a part of this game that is a factor that Niners fans are going to have to deal with going into this weekend. But we'll have to see. I think more interesting than anything is where that offense comes from. Tavon Austin in this part is still trying to find his way in the offense. I don't know that the Rams are are comfortable where to work him right now. Um, You've got uh, Jared Cook that went off in week one, and now there's an APB out on him. we're just going to have to see what happens with those two guys. At the same time, there's a Brian Quick that hasn't been able to penetrate the offense. Chris Givens hasn't been getting the, the kind of looks that he was used to in terms of deep balls. Austin Pettis is still kind of a, a viable part of this offense and making some, some key catches and getting some key looks. So I don't really know. that I don't really get a good sense about the identity of this team, and that was something we talked about this week as well on special time. We're just going to have to see. And, yeah, maybe there's something more confusing about the defense because that was a unit that last year we felt comfortable relying upon for good reason. And I don't know that we've seen that this year. Maybe this is the week that the cushion of death, COTD, that is now an official thing. Maybe the COTD starts tightening up again. Maybe we start to see it less. And and it doesn't necessarily go away, but maybe the coaching staff says, look, let's, let's cut six yards down to four. Let's cut eight yards down to six. Let's cut that five down to three. Maybe they look at it and say, you know, as much as we want to make our success, 
doing things this way. It hasn't worked this far, and maybe we can get back to that if we get a little bit more aggressive and get back into a situation where we can keep everything in front of us and, and then turn the screws on the safeties and the linebackers to try to get some turnovers. But in the interim, what we've tried to do hasn't worked. We'll have to see. It's going to be interesting, and I think the good thing is that you're dealing with a 49ers team that's coming to your house that hasn't looked all that impressive in its first three games. Going to be fun on Thursday. Again, thanks to everybody on the show, Fooch, Mike, Tev, and Dan for being our official guests, as well as Will, Nick, and Mark for calling in. Want to thank everybody. Always a good time. Sound the nuclear alarm when if you see Tevin Verona coming in your neighborhood. Otherwise, you know what it is. Go Rams.
getting here, I'm a puppet eyed man. If Eric can't get it, I will and I can. I'm strong as it come, but I've got a brain. And stopping me is like stopping the train. I'm Carl Lee, the general of the D. I make the calls, I'm the coaching LB. This motorcycle, this has got style and class. If you come my way, I'll knock you on your ass. The name's intimidated. I pass it my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my team, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The Iceman cometh, the roar is the name. I cover the corner, they're accepting my game. Score more than anybody else on the D, cause I move like a cat as you will see. The guys call me Dick instead of Dick the Sun. I lead the range, I'm the Ram Top Gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be, even sweetness than the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies, what a brainy one. But enough about me, we hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Aloha, I'm Clifford from Yamano Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. All fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.